Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood, tips and tricks, products we love, and brands that we can't live without. Let's get into it. So, we're nearly at the end of another week. <laughs> oh, God. I've, I'm still recovering from my supermarket experience yesterday. I just really oh, had yeah. a bad time. And it was interesting because when I spoke about it on um, on our Insta, it, it people just, there were hundreds of messages from people going, I hate going to the supermarket. People aren't even making eye contact anymore. You know what I'm like? I'm like, hello, how are you? People are just shuffling down the aisles. That, yeah, that, it's the weird. The human touch is gone, it hasn't it? It's weird. Yeah, I mean, the only positive right from this is so I went to go and get Gigi some nappies yesterday afternoon because I literally had none like none you know when you're like oh my god please don't do a poop please don't do a poop poop. (laughs) oh my god don't do one don't do one um and so I went to a retail park and there's a boot and an Audi and usually that Audi is awful like on a normal day oh my goodness like I have to psych myself up for going in but I love going in there and a benefit of social distancing is they're only letting so many people in that shop at one time so there's no queues mm. like obviously at the checkout you haven't got to do the speed packing because yeah. there's not really anyone behind you and yeah. you can walk around like quite nicely so that's one positive that I will take away from um social distancing at the supermarket is that Aldi and places that are usually horrendous are actually all right yeah, and you're right. And, and and there's always positives to to take from these things and we can't be too down. I think it was just a bit of a slap in the face. And I think everybody's, you know, the first couple of weeks of lockdown, people were kind of bright and breezy and keeping positive. Yeah. And now we're really in the midst of it. I think there's just, I don't know, I just think I'm, I'm worried about what's going to happen when, in inverted commas, normal life, you know, comes yeah. back because we're going to have to work really hard on that sort of interaction between strangers I plan on saying hello to everybody that I see hello yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's that bloody annoying woman that's just moved into the area <laughs> but don't you think like people have been more social like for instance like our neighbours we probably wouldn't have seen in normal circumstances we probably would only see them like um, we, do you know what we hardly ever saw them before lockdown yeah. not at all but because we've been out in the garden and we've all been around we've actually made friends with them and it's been really nice like just chatting over the fence and that's been lovely yeah and do you know what people are doing up and down the country they're turning their gardens into social distancing beer gardens with their neighbors it's yeah. hilarious the photographs are amazing people are cutting 
like chunks out of their fences, clipping <laughs> the piece of wood down and turning it into a bar. Well, the other day, our neighbour was like, it was, I don't know what time it was in the afternoon, but he was just like mooching about and he was like, oh guys, you fancy an Aperol spritz? And we were like, oh God, yes please. And over the fence came two wonderful Aperol spritzes. And I was like, oh my God, this is just lovely. I love it. Your neighbour sounds amazing. Yeah, they are. We actually are really lucky. Oh, dreamy. Well, um, I'll tell you what else is going to be dreamy. Today's chat. It is. Um, <laughs> now, it's, it's, it's a conversation that we, we, we basically, we've been wanting to have for a long time, but we really wanted to find the right person. And we've absolutely nailed it today with today's guests. So he's a GP. His day job is a GP. So he sees people for all different ailments and all different problems, but he specializes in sexual function. So lots of people, lots of mums go to him, um, you know, post giving birth to have the conversations around sex. It might be painful for them. They might have lost their confidence. They might not want to have penetration sex anymore you know all of these questions that come up and he specializes in it yeah I mean he is amazing and I literally cannot wait for everybody to listen to this and Georgia you did so well just before we get into it you did so well because you know what some people find it really easy to talk about sex me other people you know want to keep it a lot more private and that's you and that's absolutely fine but this one wasn't really a conversation around sex it was more about sort of the way that the body the anatomy and the way that the female body is formed and everything that happens um, during labour and afterwards it was fascinating it, yeah it really was and we did talk about dildos so I'm happy we did yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, right today's guest is Anand Patel let's get into it happy Friday another Friday another um, expert podcast coming your way today and this one oh it's going to be a goodie um, so today we're over the moon completely thrilled that we have managed to um, have a chat with this wonderful man uh, his name is Anand Patel he is a GP he's a sexual function doctor he has his own podcast the pleasure podcast which he hosts with uh, writer and actor Naomi Sheldon um, so yeah let's talk about sex baby shall we hello hello lovely to meet you both Last time we talked about sex on the podcast, Zoe burst into song and we were singing, let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you. Um, so what, let's do it. I mean, I'd like the sprawl and over salt and pepper. I'll be Spinderella. You two can be salt and pepper. <laughs> oh, um, and Anne, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Listen, before we get into it, can you just um, tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is exactly that you do? Yes. So uh, my day job is a general practitioner. So I see patients, you know, kids, mums, um, dads, everyone uh, about everything. I'm currently seeing a lot of coronavirus, um, but it, uh, the rest of the time I'm a sexual function doctor. So that is uh, not sexual health, which is looking after um, sort of uh, sexual uh, sexually transmitted diseases um, or infections, but I look after erectile dysfunction, painful sex, orgasm problems, relationship issues, um, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, and that's what keeps me sort of super interested and uh, really brings sort of a bit of specialist knowledge back into my day job. So I have lots of patients who, for example, are either recent mums or they're going through the menopause or you know, they're, they're having painful sex. And being able to have that knowledge and bring it back into my day-to-day work is brilliant. That's really interesting. So do you see a lot of mums come to you after they've given birth and perhaps just don't feel confident or they're having issues with having sex again? What I mean, what's the you know common problems that you see? I think the first thing that you see is people's expectations of when to have sex. Yeah. So you know, you've just given birth. And the first time I normally see um, sort of mums after giving birth is the six week check. 
I, I appreciate you know your, your your listeners will probably know this very well. Um, you know, you're checking on the health of the baby and just making sure that actually um, nothing physically is, is is going going is an issue there. Or you're but you're also checking on the health of the mum and are there physical issues, particularly post delivery? Because if we're thinking about you know a, th- a third of women after delivery are incontinent of urine, so you know it's about asking. If questions to tease out you know what are the issues going on because just looking at someone with their baby you know, without asking any questions doesn't give you a very good idea of what's going underneath the surface so you kind of got to make them feel comfortable first and then go into you know once 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 they're comfortable with you talking about you know their emotions about their mood because obviously that can change so significantly after all those pregnancy hormones drop significantly um talking about their physical state so you know how is it down below you know, how, you know mm. is their vagina um, did they have to have an episiotomy? Did they have to, um, you know, did they tear? Did they have any stitches? Um, you know, are they incontinent now? Um, you know, all of these questions that are super personal. Yeah. Um, however, a lot of my women patients just go, look, you can ask me anything. I've had multiple hands on my vagina now. Um, I literally <laughs> am relaxed about this now. And you think, well, that, that's a great place to have got to. Mm. You know, you only wish that people could be like that all the time. Mm. So, um, Anand, we did a podcast that went out this week with um, TV presenter Natalie Pinkham talking about birth. Um, and, yeah. you know, in some cases, I mean, look, let's be honest, birth is a pretty intense thing to go through. There's lots of physical changes that happen with the body. And yeah. then we, as mums, then go to the doctor we get our, our six week check and in some cases we get signed off straight away and then we come back home and you know and then that whole you know sex thing is very much there and you know just because you get a tick from the doctor doesn't necessarily mean that you feel ready to then just jump back in um so do, do you see a lot of uh, kind of women who are suffering with confidence issues in those kind of early months and how do you in, and kind of encourage them or support them to feel like themselves again so first of all, absolutely, you're absolutely right. You know, you've you've had some significant physical changes. Your you know your vaginal tissues and your pelvic floor have just had a baby pass through them, so they've done a lot of work and they've been stretched or torn and or sewn up in the, in the past few weeks. So that's not necessarily ideal for sex. Um, and, and but it's but you know I, I think it's letting people know that your body will almost always heal. Now there yeah. is where actually the, t- the tearing is quite significant or you know, some people have a third degree tear, which is very unfortunate, where it goes all the way to the anal margin. So you know, th- those are very rare these days due to sort of early intervention. Um, but, but actually those things can happen. And so recognising that not all women's birth experiences are the same. Mm. I mean, I recognise also a man talking about women delivering. And obviously I don't have that, that sort of experiential knowledge, but I certainly work with women who've had this and that, that changed very much of their vagina and vulva, which is where some women really have a sense of their sexual power is a really big deal. Yeah. Um, it also changed its appearance. You know, they may have, um, you know, it, you've got a big baby in a womb sat down below, which means the blood flow coming back from your lower body is going to be slower. So you get engorgement of the genital tissues. Yeah. Sometimes that's super exciting during pregnancy because orgasms are, are, are easier and, and, and it's all more sensitive. In other women, it's the opposite and it was less sensitive. And it's actually, or in some people, very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Now, you differ, but actually that change and that swelling doesn't necessarily go away. So actually it can look different um, and it can feel different. And obviously a baby's pushed its way through. Does that mean that the, um, uh, the vaginal canal feels uh, different to you and to your partner? Now, I think some people go, oh, no, it's, it's, it's much looser. And you're going, well, actually, a vagina's not, it's a potential space. It's not actually its own canal there, if that makes sense. It's a space that's there 
uh, it's sort of pushed into by the penis or any other object or pushed out of for a, yeah. for a baby. So, so it's about thinking about going, yes, you can train the muscles around that space. And that's really important as well. Making people think, actually, this is, this is a bit of a, um, uh, it's a bit of a machine, if, that's, if that makes sense. Yeah. That there are ways of actually tweaking and training your machine to get back to the state that you want to be in. But on the flip side of that, recognising you have just done an amazing, incredible thing. You've birthed the baby and recognising your body may not be the same. The landscape you explore physically is not the same. And the way you feel about your vagina or vulva or sex may not be the same. And that's also true for your partner. Your partner may have witnessed this baby come out of your vagina. Yeah. And, and actually will be thinking either they may go and deify you and think you're the best thing ever and good Lord, you know, how, how have you done this? But actually they've deified you in a slightly sort of um, religious sense. And actually you're thinking, well, you know, none sex isn't the most exciting. You know, you don't necessarily have sex with your mum. <laughs> yeah, I, you still want your partner to think of you as sexy, even though they've seen you do something that is, to most, quite unsexy. Exactly. Exactly yeah. that. And, and, you know, it could, be, it could have been traumatic. It could have been really scary for the guy or, or whoever, uh, you know, the, the, the partner um, who's, who's witnessed that. And it must have been really scary for you or the person that's giving birth. So I think it's about just both people communicating appropriately beforehand, going, look, what are we going to be like afterwards? You know, setting expectations. I might not want to have sex for a few months afterwards. Yeah. My libido might be lower. It might be higher. I, I've no idea. My vulva, which you always tell me how pretty it is, it might look different. Mm. My orgasm might be different. The way my skin feels might be different. And, and it's about having those honest conversations beforehand so you're slightly prepared. I appreciate nothing can really prepare you for having a screaming baby in the house mm. <laughs> yeah. and not sleeping and your hormones being all over the shop and then having family and friends and books and people on TV telling you how you should parent. But there is no sort of practice run for all of that. So I recognise it's a challenging place that you put yourself into and then you're expected to be the sexy being on top of that. It's just hopefully reducing those expectations going, look, I may not be able to be that person and that's fine. Mm. Uh, it's really interesting that you touched on sexual power because for me personally, before I had my kids, that was kind of, you know, I'm a Scorpio. I'm very much run on sexuality. I've always been, you know, interested and intrigued by sex and, you know, had different partners and, you know, just been kind of experimental with it all. And then, you know, once Dozer and I had had Luna together, my, my first, I remember that moment where my friend said, well, you know, you, you need to have a look at, you need to have a look at your vagina. You need to have a look at your vulva. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure I can, I don't think I can do that. And I remember that moment that I took a compact and looked at it and I was absolutely horrified um, because it didn't look like I remembered it. And I suddenly felt this real wave of, I don't know, it sounds silly really to say it, but maybe sadness or anxiety or just worry that it was never going to be the same again. Um, and I actually think quite a lot of women go through that, um, that it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't look the same. It, you know, the sensitivity might have changed. It's, it's a lot to get your head around because it's your, it's your body. It's what you've known forever. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you've been used to this way of behaving, this way of feeling for, you know, say 20 years, say you've been at birth at you know, uh, 30, 35 or however you old you are. You know, you've had a significant period of your adult life feeling that way, you know, having sex a certain way, potentially um, negotiating sex a certain way, you know, having pre pre predominantly penetrative sex, I imagine. I mean, that seems to be the norm, but heterosexual sex seems to be mostly intercourse rather than outercourse. 
but actually there's this whole universe of other sex practices that are available to you. And for example, if you've had um, a painful sex experience, you know, sort of birth experience, and things aren't quite healed down there, or it doesn't feel right in, in there at the moment, you're not feeling, you know, you're feeling intercourse just isn't on yeah. the menu. Yeah. There's like a whole smorgasbord of genital tissue that isn't your vagina. And when I, sorry, you must, I don't know if you've talked about anatomy. I mean, it's obviously it's even interesting to you, but I could get obsessed about it because it's like, you know, women are blessed with all of their sexual fun parts on the surface. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean. it's like, it's like everything is completely available at your fingertips. Like a, uh, it's like, it, yeah, it's, it's like a, it's like a, um, a, a, a pad you know, almost of just run your fingers over it. And there's so many different se- sensitive areas. And if you think about the clitoris, it's like the bell end of a penis. Um, and then you've got the shaft of the penis. And actually, if you imagine the, the shaft is divided into two around the, the, the vagina, so around the hole, because actually the, 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 those tubes swell full of blood, creating sort of hover, hovercraft, sort of cushion effect, which genitally flushes and gives often women a sort of lovely sort of full sensation. But the, the head also, the clitoris also rises up and swells and appears from its foreskin. I mean, I, I used to teach, um, I used to be a school teacher and I used to teach sex ed. And I was, and I was teaching this to, 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 my, to my kids and they were going, Oh my God, she's got a mini knot. And you're like, well, yeah. Or, or we've got a maxi clit. I don't know how you want to put it. But yeah, the, the, I mean, our, our, our testicles are only basically ovaries that have just fallen into a wrinkly sack. It's so interesting, isn't it? That is so interesting. Yeah. I've never heard anyone speak of it like that at all. And it's kind of blowing my mind a bit. Now I'm a bit confused. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I think it's really important to recognise, and that's why I mean, I'm a real geek about this, but I think fetal reproductive anatomy is extraordinary. And I know that sounds like a really weird thing to think about it. But if you're thinking about the effect of oestrogen versus testosterone in the womb, and it is basically marinating this body, and it's switching on, and genes are being switched on and switched, um, switched off, depending on you know, whether you're releasing testosterone or oestrogen. And this is actually creating massive changes, but mainly in your genitals. You know, you, you are you're by default female. But actually, if you just change a bit of hormones around, switch on a few more genes, the shape of the genitals changes. It doesn't change their purpose and it doesn't change what they can really do. They all are there for both pleasure and for, you know, for, for, for making babies, if you want that. So, so the fact that we are so similar is actually really important in terms of, well, one, sex ed for kids, yeah. you know, just learning are so similar um also for, for young people learning about having sex and going look it's not just about sticking your penis in something or a toy in something there's all this else going on that you can play with and enjoy and also for, 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 for the woman or person with a with, with a vulva going happy days look what i've got yeah. I've, I've got the area around my vagina called the vestibule it's like they're called the waiting room which is hugely sensitive you've got the skin of the labia which is hugely sensitive you've got the clitoris the clitoral hood you know you've got all of these you know the perineum you've got, just you know, your taint for a, a better word you've got all of these areas to play with so just absolutely use all of them so if, if sex is painful after pregnancy after delivery and you're thinking oh i don't necessarily want to try that really say that please don't just say oh he needs to have his conjugal rights that sort of thing drives me insane. Mm. Stop doing what hurts. I mean, pain is a really good sign yeah. going, let's, let's not do this. Mm. So let's just externally. I mean, one of the things I, I like talking about is, as you say, your, your view of your body has changed. And some people are very regretful about that. They, they feel very sad about the body they've lost. Mm. And I think part of that is also nudity. 
So if you have, if you've been used to being naked around someone before, often people, when they've had a baby, they notice the changes in their body and they feel a sense of shame. And so they cover that body or they hide that body. Yeah. Actually, I would suggest exposing that body because it's only being naked and seeing that naked version every day that you and the person that you're with or persons, depending or not, depending on what your relationship structure is, will come to actually normalize and acclimatize yes yeah you're both getting used to your your being naked and you being you looking like that things become less foreign and less unusual yeah and I guess less daunting absolutely absolutely if someone has seen your breasts that have changed shape they're bigger they might be a bit lower on your chest the nipples might be further apart they might have changed color you know who knows what changes you've experienced but actually if you recognize that and you play play with that rather than worrying about it. That's such a joyful place to be in. And as we all know, you need to be relaxed to have sex and you need to be relaxed for your pelvic floor to relax for you to have comfortable sex. Yeah. You need to have arousal, you know, to have all that blood flow pumping to your genitals. And there's a fabulous study done by the sex lab and it's actually called that in Portugal where they did a study for women where they, um, I think it was vaginal plasmography. I may have got that wrong. Forgive me if I have all those scientists out there, where you basically measure the pressure change within the, the vagina. And they can tell on that basis how vaginally aroused or how much blood, vaginal blood flow is as a sort of comparator for arousal. And they found that women are really bad at judging. If they're brain aroused, they often have no correlation with genital arousal. Wow. If they're genital replicating, they've often got no idea that they're turned on. So actually, if there is this disconnect that's going on, we need to learn to kind of facilitate that connection. One is our own bodies and our own groins and knowing, ah, this tingly feeling, that rush. uh, And Naomi, my my co-host, she describes it as a Swayze. One of those lovely (laughs) Swayze's in the genitals. Really good sort of fullness or tingling or sort of pleasure within there that kind of makes you think, ah, that's what what I'm, I'm feeling. So if you're in tune with that before you deliver, Perhaps after you deliver, you can kind of get to feel that similar sensations. I won't necessarily say it's going to be the same, but if you're yeah. feeling your, your own sort of connection physically, perhaps you can go on to do that with your partner. If, however, your breasts are engorged because you're breastfeeding, they might be more sensitive or less sensitive or leaking. You know, that can be embarrassing for some people. I just say play on it. You've just given birth. You've got a, you've got a baby. This is incredible. As yeah. it's incredible, celebrate your leaking breasts as incredible. So do you think some women almost like downplay how they're feeling? So they might, you know, they might have a kiss with their husband or whatever, and then they do feel a bit turned on, but other things come into their mind. So they're almost, it's like their brain is shutting it off. Or do you think they just don't know that they're turned on? I think there are there are lots of issues in terms of cultural structures, religious structures, social structures, um, uh, patriarchal structures that all sort of, intertwine into producing the person that we are basically yeah. sort of our love maps and our relationship maps i mean i don't know if you've talked this sort of interest so john money was a um uh, was, was a psychologist i believe and he was looking at why we develop the attractions we do and so he developed this thing that your cultural upbringing your the religion you were brought up in the uh, media you were reading your friends your family relationship your parents their relationship was a real marker for how you develop to see what a relationship should be. Yeah. That then that's who you think you are as a sexual being, but also you then produce this love map of who this other person is. So you project onto this other person who they're meant to be, which is often why you feel let down often is because you're expecting them to behave like you think they should be behaving. Mm. So again, after you've delivered, you've got to change your 
physical map of what your body feels like. What does your landscape feel like? But also, what is this new person, this other person, what are they feeling about your body? So the communication thing becomes hugely important. It's also really quite terrifying for people. If you've not really talked about bodies and sex and how you're going to have sex and what gives you pleasure before, trying to bring it up becomes really can feel to some people as challenging. But I would really suggest doing so because it's that real place of freedom. If, If you can get to the place where you can kind of go, actually, that isn't what's really working for me now for the moment. Perhaps we could try it like this. You know, or I love it. You do this. I mean, if you make something a positive to another person, particularly someone who's giving you sexual pleasure, they generally puff up a bit and they repeat that action. Go, oh, look, that thing you're doing is brilliant. Carry on. Oh, I, I, when, when your arm brushed this part of me, it was really exciting. Can we try that? So we'll be back right after this. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Baffled, a brand new podcast bringing you some amazing facts that are complete nonsense. Imagine the likes that that would get on Instagram, you having a quick one up a lamppost on the moon. Incredible. So you basically <laughs> saying the reason the dinosaurs stopped living is because they all collectively made a decision to have no more children. Oh, they're talking, I think until 10 years ago, I, I still shared the bathwater that my parents were in. You can find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search for Baffled Amazing Facts. Now, let's pick up where we left off with our wonderful guest. Georgia, I mean, I don't know about you, but I definitely went through this for a very long time where, you know, I went from this place of being, you know, as as I've I've talked about, quite a sexual being to then having my children and then just feeling quite numb for about three years. I was going through the motions, but I was having to build myself up to it every single time. And I was like, I don't understand why this is happening to me because it used to come quite easy for me. Even looking in the mirror at my body, my new body, which I now love, it took me a long time to love it again. But when it came to having sex with Dozer, I just wasn't communicating with him what I wanted, what I needed. I didn't even know what I wanted or needed because it was so painful sometimes. And it's only now that I've really had this awakening to my sexual self again. And it's taken a lot of work. And like you said, Anand, a lot of communication. And things are different now. But I'm having better sex now than I did when I was single and before my children. And I think that's hopefully where everyone gets to be, that actually they come to terms with their new body yeah. and they're yeah. terms with their new body. And they come to terms with the fact that actually you are going to have to communicate because you're having to deal with this baby 
And that requires a lot of effort and communication. And hopefully using that tool and going, actually, that communication doesn't just stop with the baby. It actually can follow through into our sex lives. And actually, I, I tell you when I don't like the way you're tying that nappy. So why can't I tell you that I don't like the way that you kiss me? Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. The way that you yeah. touch me with the back of your hand on my inner thigh, which used to be super exciting, now doesn't feel that way. Could we just change this up a bit? And it's about depersonalizing it. If you make it about you, then actually it's less personal to the other person. It's less dismissive. It's not like you're a failure. It's not, you're not saying that. You're saying, actually, my body likes this. And then actually, it's then hopefully for the other person, it becomes a pleasure to actually act out what the other person enjoys. Are we scared to hurt the other person? Are we scared to hurt, hurt our partners? Is that why we can't communicate? Yeah. I think so. I mean, I, I imagine... Yeah, you know, if, if you're if you're if you're if you're a, a straight man or or you know you're in a lesbian relationship or whatever, if you are in, you're used to penetrating, and if you're used to inserting something you know in in a vagina, and that's what was your sex life, but actually it's you know where a baby has come out of, and you saw the tear, and you saw the stitches, all of those things are fresh in your mind. Why would you you know if if you love someone, why would you want to hurt them? Yeah. So actually, a natural urge not to do. Uh, you know, not to have sex for some people. I mean, other people, they're just like hop back on and you're like, hello, you might want to wait for a second. Let's talk about contraception. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember going to my six week check and the doctor being like, right, so uh, should we talk about contraception? I was thinking to myself, that is the last thing in the world that you need to worry about with me right now. <laughs> Absolutely. And for most people it is. It's totally right. You're thinking, I, I, a, lot of, a lot of women look at me going, oh, so not happening. And, and then I've got, got other women going oh no, we've been having sex for three weeks and i'm like okay and then they just laugh and i was going yeah, yeah good on you is it uncomfortable yeah and they go yeah it is actually a bit and actually just opening that door for them to find it a bit funny and a bit silly and a bit playful is actually really helpful in, in, in us having that conversation yeah um, I, mean, I also wanted to talk about, if you don't mind, just about um, getting used to each other's bodies again. Yeah. It's yeah. I was, this is what I was going to ask, actually, was about before, you know, having sex again and getting your sex life back, building your relationship back up again. Because I know, like, a lot of people, especially after their first babies, they're sort of trying to navigate this new life. And having a relationship with their partner kind of comes bottom of the list as they're trying to work out how the hell you look after a baby, how it fits into your new life and all of that. And then it kind of gets sidelined, the whole relationship side of it. Um, and so, like, how do you go about that and building that back up? I think, first of all, is having the conversation with your partner, my baby will come first. And I think that has to be acknowledged in some ways, initially, at least, because there is a whole thing of evolutionary primacy. Like, you know, we are designed to change our allegiance in some way to the. Yeah. That's where we get our intimacy, our cuddles from. So if you were used to getting your intimacy and cuddles from your partner, and, and actually one of those ways of gaining intimacy was by having sex with them, you can get all the intimacy you ever want. Like a baby is like an everlasting supply of cuddles and intimacy and, and, and potentially pleasure and joy. Mm. And you don't have sex. Because for some women, sex isn't that pleasurable, either because they've never had the conversation going, well, actually, could sex feel different or look different for me? Or actually, it's, you know, they might be a little bit more asexual. You know, they may not have a huge sex drive and they might not have a huge sexual pleasure. Um, I mean, that's a, a smaller proportion of people. But, you know, up to 50 percent of women report sexual function problems. So it's not a small proportion. So and these are not going to magically go away once you've delivered. In fact, in some people, they're magnified. Yeah. The idea about getting 
getting used to your nudity is a really important one. So if you can be naked around the house, and some people find that culturally or um, religiously difficult, particularly in front of children, you're thinking, well, I think that's because we've gone and conflated nudity with sex. For me, I'm just cold. If I do. But that's very good. Turn, turn into the central heating hotel. I appreciate that. <laughs> For the, the environment. Let's go for the summer. So have a summer baby, and have the central. Uh, 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 just walk, walk around the house. Let let your let your family see you naked as a normal thing, and it's not a shameful thing because that's such a good for kids. I came from a very very um, sort of religious, very uptight um, sort of uh, wonderful family. Don't get me wrong, but I mean. I think I've seen my dad naked once on passant because I passed him in a, in a in a in a sort of bathroom cubicle when we're um, at a sort of a hotel or something. That's it. Never else in my life have I seen him nude. Mm. And actually, you know, and my mum obviously, and I, well, not obviously, I've never seen my mother nude. Whereas my partner, honestly, he just walks around the house naked all the time. You're like, could you just put some clothes on? Oh, it's nice. It's so nice. Dozen's the same. He's naked all the time. I like the briefs, like sort of holding me up a little bit, to be honest. But <laughs> Thing, isn't it? It's a personal thing. But I think also part of it is, is my embarrassment at being naked. And therefore, the problem is, if you always get embarrassed with being naked, trying to then have a conversation after you've delivered about let's be naked is challenging. But if you can have that conversation and just naturally bring it into your day to day, the other thing that you can do is actually explore each other's bodies. Because if you're moving into a, a place where actually sex is a bit painful, why don't we just explore the rest of our bodies? Because there is so much sexual um, contact that goes on that isn't just our genitals. And um, there's there's one thing that a, um, a, a friend of mine um, tried in the past called vulval gazing. Oh, yes. I don't know if you've... I've heard of this. Yes. So you kind of um, uh, sort of just admire um, the vulva of the other person. So either you sit between their legs or you lie between their legs and you just look at it. Now, usually the first few minutes or two is utterly excruciatingly embarrassing. <laughs> George is absolutely dying here. I can feel it. I, I am. I am <laughs> cringing. I'm crossing. I'm crossing my legs so tight. Oh, you you wouldn't even well. well. You're doing so well. <laughs> Georgia, I, I heard that you were much more like me. You're much more like the sort of prim and proper one. Is that right? Or is that wrong? Absolutely. Right. Of the two of us, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So literally, you're basically my other half. So that's yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I am still, in lots of ways, very prim and proper. But actually, being nude, and this, so I don't have a vulva, but let's go, let's move back to people with yeah. vulvas. So they're being observed and they are looking at you. And if you are not touching, just observe it. Now, the idea is after a couple of minutes, you, the person being observed will become less anxious because your adrenaline levels can only be high for so long before they dip. Yeah. You know, when you're in an exam and you can't be, um, you, you can't be stressed for, for so long, eventually within the exam, you, you just finally calm down. That's because you've had enough of that adrenaline. Mm. Your body is now sensitized to it and desensitized to it. So it's got used to that adrenaline being there. So you will actually calm down and feel more relaxed with this person staring at your vulva, which sounds like an odd sentence to be in, but there you are. You'll be more relaxed and they will therefore be able to look for longer. And the longer you can tolerate, the more relaxed you will be being naked in their presence. Also for the other person, it can be a massive turn on. It can be hugely exciting to be staring at this, you know, one sort of buffet of pleasure, but also this, 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 this part of someone that has just given birth. You know, it's, it's, Extraordinary thing. It's, it, it's an act of sort of physical worship. And I think that's a very 
sort of glorious place to be in. I love that. I, I really, I think that's brilliant. And I think that's that's a really nice place. To, I mean, obviously it, it sounds quite intense. And if you're kind of listening to this wincing and thinking, I don't think I could let my partner <laughs> tear at my vulva. Um, it's just about kind of opening up that moment between the two of you where actually you probably take words out of it for a second and you just be together. And I think as a mother, yeah. there's a certain sense of we always have to be doing other things. Oh, I can't be having sex or having an orgasm because I've got to do this and I've got to un- unload the washing machine or, you know, I think I can hear my baby stirring or I need to go and do this or need to wash the bottles and it's actually like it's okay to put all of that other stuff down and focus on you as a mum we never do it and I think I think Georgia you'll back me on this to say that actually it's more than okay to put yourself first sexually for a while just to kind of find out who you are again you need to have that time yeah yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, as a mother in general, not even just sexually, we all we do this a, a week on bottom of the list, yeah. don't we? Every we put everybody else before ourselves, and you can only really do that for so long um, before it it just becomes too much. So I guess it's just tipping that balance, isn't yeah. it? And and making yourself, you know, feel better and and rediscovering who you are again. I guess. I mean, there's two big things here, isn't there? There's basically patriarchy and capitalism. And I, I know that sounds odd to bring into vulnerable gazing, but capitalism in the sense that actually your time has to mean something all the time. Are you doing the cleaning? Are you are, are you doing a job? Are you on, you know, on the phone with someone um, sort of making money? Are you doing something at all times? Because otherwise it's not valuable. Mm. And it's important to recognise pleasure is not optional. Pleasure is a hugely important part of our being. That's why we are physically designed the way that we are. You know, three major groups of, of, of mammals can enjoy sex for pleasure, and there's bonobos, dolphins, and us. And that must be for a reason. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's meant to be a pleasurable, joyful thing. So why are we changing it to this thing that's shameful? Or actually, you can only sneak in when you're not doing what otherwise people would name as profitable or valuable things. Yeah. yeah, I think it's so important to take the time to nourish your relationship together and recognise that that half an hour that you spent staring at her fanny was actually an utter delight. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was a very profitable thing in terms of our relationship. You know, t- time, time should be thought of as a space that, yes, you, know, you, you do need to live. And I recognise that you need the money to get, to, 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 to get things um, to pay for your bills and to pay for food. Um, but actually, the, the biggest thing is making sure you've got time for your other your other half or another, you know, the number of people you have sexually in your life so that you can actually furnish that part of you and keep that going. Because you haven't stopped being you sexually just because you've had, had a baby. But yeah. sexually, people have been ill and, and, and are now ill, for example, they have cancer. They've not stopped being that sexual person. They are still that person. And so it's about how do you carry that on? Um, and yeah. and I wanted to sort of touch on um, the sort of benefits of using lube because I think um, it, it after you have ba- you know after you've had your kids and stuff um, you know things can kind of change obviously as we've discussed down there and actually you know if you are experiencing painful sex what would be like a good kind of initial sort of like not starter kit <laughs> that sounds a bit <laughs> a PG thirteen entrance to kind of lube and maybe some sex toys just to kind of sort of jazz things up a bit. Absolutely. So there's, there's sort of uh, there's two main groupings of painful sex. If that makes sense, there's sort of um, uh, external or superficial. So basically, it hurts when you the penis is broaching the vagina, and there's deeper where it feels uh, more uncomfortable when penetration is deeper inside. 
Now, they are, there's a lot of overlap, so you know, don't get it wrong. It's just when you're thinking about helping people or treating people, it's, it can be quite helpful to divide it into those two groups. So if it's very frontal, so basically it's the, the, the first inch or two of the canal, then that's often related to vaginismus or vestibulodynia. So they're just basically either where the skin is hypersensitive, and that can be hypersensitive positively, but sometimes too much positive um, stimulation can make people feel a bit cringy. You know, when you're, I, I don't know if you, I mean, you may have felt this yourself, but if you've got an area of skin that's just recently healed, yeah. either it can really tingle and be overly sensitive, or it can be a bit numb. Yeah. And women can get those after delivery. And so if, 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 they're, if, if they're vulva, you know, is, 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 sorry, is, is sort of um, uh, tingly or, or hypersensitive or, or undersensitive, that can obviously be, be uncomfortable. So one way of that is focusing on the outside. So not stressing people out by making them go, oh, we're definitely going to, there's going to be penetration here. That's what's going to happen. Actually taking that way of going, actually, we're not going to do penetration at all. Mm -hmm. That will actually allow some relaxation in the first place. It will allow you to be hopefully more aroused because you know the painful thing isn't going to happen. And therefore you'll relax more. Your pelvic floor will relax more. So that's the other thing. You know, our pelvic floors were you know, designed to be back walls, not floors. And so, you know, the passage of time, pressure, and a baby through them does change them. But it doesn't mean that they can't necessarily be worked back up to a to a sort of muscular state again. Yeah. So, you know, doing vagal exercises, etc., will will over time will help. But actually, you will then get more sensation as well. So, when you are squeezing on anything that is going into your um, the vulva, that will be more more, more sort of pleasurable for you and potentially for your partner. But to, to focus on the on the on the on the, on the getting it, getting the, if you're able to relax your pelvic floor, so obviously one of the one of the things of working out your pelvic floor is basically a contraction and relax. So yeah, you're working your pelvic floor, you're actually doing both. So you're getting better at both, if that makes sense, right? You've got external external discomfort. What some people do, for example, is they just focus on the clitoris and the vulva, and that's absolutely fine. You can use high um high frequency um, vibrators. So if you find your clitoris feels a little bit more that's a little less sensitive than it used to, then that's absolutely fine because if you use a higher frequency vibrator, um, like you can buy these sort of um, they're almost like little pocket rockets. Um, so they're they're yes. often disguised. There's lipstick looking devices and you get them you know, online from lots of different providers. Um, they, if I would get one with the changeable speed setting because you might have found that actually the highest speed setting before um, delivery was actually too high. But actually now you might find if you are less sensitive, it's the thing that actually gets you off. Yep. Um, so thinking about that during sex, going, look, you know, it might not be painful to have sex, but actually my, I'm not orgasming as easily. Why not use a clitoral stimulating um, sex toy whilst having penetrative sex? Um, alternatively, if sex is uncomfortable, use a, you saw that, um, that wonderful device that, uh, Samantha used in, um, Sex, sex in the, the City. City. It basically had this, it was called a Hitachi Love Wand. And it was designed as an, like a sort of, as ultrasound massage thing. And actually, obviously, women were like, hello, let's just move this a couple of feet lower and see what the massage does on our genitals. And, 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 and an entire series of sex toys has been born. Now, your Titachi loved one sounds like Scalectrics in the next room. It's really loud. <laughs> it's very loud, basically. It sounds like a very loud, high buzzing noise. But there are much quieter ones. Now, loved ones, um, basically, it's like a microphone. So imagine you sort of Mariah Carey microphone with sort of a bulbous head where you can change the frequency at the head sort of stimulates and sort of vibrates. Now, if you put that on your genitals, that is heaven. Now, if you're finding actually 
Careful, why not use the head of that vibrating against your vulva, against your labia, against your vestibule, which is the area directly around the vagina itself? Then actually you don't have to have painful sex because it's so bloody lovely stimulating those areas in their entirety. And because it vibrates, it sends stimulation further into the pelvis, which also allows you to relax more. Right. Has a positive site virtuous cycle. So it makes your genitals are more flush with blood, which makes it more comfortable. You're more relaxed. And, and actually it's yummy feelings on the outside. So happy days. So that's if you want to avoid intercourse. But if, and I don't mean avoid in a bad way. I'm just saying you're keeping away from what's painful. Yeah. You're just not ready for that yet. Yep. Absolutely. The other thing yeah. is also using a bit of lubricant to get something inside you. And I know that's the point of the question. I apologize. I am going on. <laughs> so there are some fabulous lubricants um, by, I mean, lots of are available, but I particularly like the, um, the Yes Company of Lubricants because they are um, vaginally pH matched. For Do you know what? M when I had a mummy MOT, the women's physio gave me that brand. Oh my God, George has got lube. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't not. I don't not have things. I just don't talk about Oh, for it. goodness sakes. Send it to me if you're not going to use it. <laughs> She said she, she, she didn't say that. She oh, no, say no. no, no. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not, you're right. <laughs> I was the quiet ones, you've got to watch. No, um, <laughs> no, 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 so, uh, there are other brands are available. Just for example, things like KY Jelly, they're fine for physically examine people in a, in a sort of clinical environment. They become very dry very rapidly and very sticky. So they're not actually very pleasant to have sex with. Um, alternatively, you can use silicon lubricants, but silicon lubricants don't work with certain sex toys. Right. Just the same with all. So it's just about thinking about what, what does the packet say in terms of the lubricant I should be using? Most times a water-based lubricant will work with everything. So that's kind of your go-to one. And what about if you uh, don't so have any lube in the house? Can you use the coconut oil that you cook the kids' dinner with? <laughs> That's not a joke. I know. I'm, 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 I'm tweeting that not as a joke. Don't you worry. I used to work with kids. I used to ask amazing questions all the time. But I, I wouldn't use anything with scent for a start or anything. And therefore coconut oil is very highly scented. Um, I mean, if you're putting something into your vagina, you've got to recognize your vagina is made acidic on purpose by your body to try and prevent the growth of bacteria or parasites that cause that sort of fishy smell that you get with bacterial vaginosis. Yeah, That's yeah. because you've been washing internally and washing out their protective um, uh, bacteria that make it a very low pH. If you go and put in loads of lube, that's a, a high pH or a standard pH, it's going to make it less acid, which is potentially going to make those problems occur. Right. So yeah. I'd always recommend something, if you can, that's pH matched. And that's what's, so, and that basically just means how acid or, or, or not it is. And because you've got, yes, vaginal, uh, it's yes VM, I think it's called, that's actually pH matched for the vagina, you can then use that. And you know that will be the same um, acidity as your vagina, so it's unlikely to cause any bacterial changes. Amazing. So that's the getting one that matters. You can also get yes, but, which is, as you might appreciate, for anal play. Um, and if you're finding vaginal play uncomfortable, some people have anal sex instead. I would say please always use lubricant for anal sex. I know some people amazingly think it's not necessary. However, they've probably never been on the receiving end of a penis going into your you know, anus. Yeah. It, it's be uncomfortable if you're not prepared and you've not used lube so please start with something small and work your way up the other thing with anal play is just to recognize if you've delivered a baby you, you may well have hemorrhoids yeah what you were using prior to i, mean, I appreciate lots of women are not having anal sex i understand that but it is for, for a smaller proportion part of their sexual repertoire i would just be careful if you have got hemorrhoids um, it's more likely to cause cause discomfort or bleeding okay that's so a lot of and giving yourself time 
um, is, is a probably good idea. Uh, sorry, I'm probably making Georgia squeamish now. Uh, no, 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 she's fine. She's handling this really well. I'm actually fine. <laughs> fascinating. Yeah. It's actually fascinating because do you know what? It's not, it is. That's why we wanted to have this conversation with you today, actually, Anand, because this isn't really, this isn't, oh, yeah. Oh, how many times have you done it? And what's the best blowjob you've ever given? It's not, this is not what this podcast is about. You know, we really want to normalise all aspects of motherhood. And this is part, and, and, and fatherhood, this is, part of it and this is a big deal because yeah exactly okay and what felt nice before you know might not feel nice now and it's about rediscovering yourself again and I think both Georgia and I've definitely been on that journey um so yeah I think for anybody listening just kind of on a sort of parting note and if anybody is really sort of struggling you know sexually to, to find their confidence and to feel kind of in inverted commas normal again would you say that the first the first step is to just communicate with 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 their partner absolutely just talk yeah. to each other and be honest with each other in your communication. And I recognise that's really hard and it makes people feel vulnerable. And it is, but it is a relearned art. The more you talk to each other, the more you'll not say the hurtful things that sometimes people start off with. Yeah. You know, and yeah. don't be surprised if your partner says potentially hurtful statements. They don't necessarily know the language to use. And they don't know the language yeah. to find hurtful. And they won't necessarily know that something they're saying might be hurtful to you. They also might not know that something that they're saying might be really exciting to you. You know, that you haven't had the opportunity to discuss that thing that would both really get you go- going so it's trying to provide that safe space so if you can communicate about your kid about the, you know, the, your, the way you're living etc just try and bring that into um into the sexual space and talking about sex with your partner is super sexy you know it really gets people turned on hearing about it as well as looking at it the other thing i'd probably suggest is locking doors behind you putting vaseline on the doorknob training your dog not to come into the bedroom and think <laughs> the other times in bedtime you know use your relatives use you know use use your mum or whoever can take the baby for an hour or something you know, and but don't put pressure on yourself that hour is for you to be together it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to lead to sex yeah i rem- i remember um i did well i did an nct class and to be honest with you most of it was not that useful but one of the things she said was when you are ready to have sex again make a sort of a date or a night of it where the baby isn't there because then you won't have that distraction in your head and you'll be sort of more like a bit calmer a bit more relaxed and also like your husband's not you know if if a ba- he hears a baby crying halfway through it can actually really throw throw you both off and then you can have sort of bad feelings about it and then not want to do it again mm, um so it's like about taking all the away all of the distractions so when lockdown's over, that's the first thing we need to do. Book in. Hello. Come <laughs> and get the kids, please. Yeah, drop the kids yeah. off. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, that was absolutely amazing. I, I just think you're so, wasn't that incredible, Georgia? I feel like I've learned so much. It really, much. yeah. Me, yeah, absolutely. It's about, you know, changing the dynamic and the way you think about it. So just one last thing I would say. Sorry, if you don't mind. It's just, if you are able to do something with your partner that's not something you'd usually do so to do something novel with your partner that's not sex-based you will actually see them in a new light you will have a new memory of them and that's actually uh, people who do new things with their partner that isn't sex-based have more satisfying sex lives and they have rates their partners higher so actually just doing even if you're in lockdown and you're stuck there just try and do other things with each other because even if it might not allow you to be fully sexual in that space having these new memories about each other and seeing each other in new light is actually a really potent way of making you think more positive of your partner. Oh, I love that. Brilliant. And Anne, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a Yeah, thank you. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Have you started drinking? 
Are you okay? <laughs> well, considering we recorded that at 10 a.m., it probably would have been a bit worrying if I did start drinking. But no, it was fine. It was fine. As long as people don't ask me about my own sex life, I don't care. I can talk but about sex. It's, it's not about me. <laughs> yeah, and I really respect you for that. Listen, it's not, you know, it's not for everybody. And it's a really personal thing. And you don't need to go shouting it from the rooftops. But what I found really fascinating about that chat is how knowledgeable he was. I mean, outer course. Have you ever heard I of know. it? No, absolutely not. It's like first course, second course, outer course. Only <laughs> thing. But also vulva gazing. I like my mind has been blown since we had that chat. And Dom keeps going, when are we going to be vulva gazing? And I'm like, oh, I'm not sure I'm ready for you to stare at my oh, funny. No, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, it's actually a great idea, isn't it? In principle, like yeah. I get it. Like, just if you're naked all the time and you're showing everything a lot, it doesn't. It becomes less daunting. You're more relaxed. Mm get that completely but maybe I won't call it vulva gazing I might need to call it something <laughs> like less intimidating fanny investigating <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no I loved it I took away so much from that and I also really loved how he kind of you know discussed you know like just everything about the female form and all of the sort of nerve endings and you know not being able to potentially communicate with your partner you know we're quite happy to tell our partner to go to the supermarket and get get a list of things for us but when it comes to pleasuring us we find it really uncomfortable in certain yeah. cases I think that whole communication thing that he was screaming about was just fascinating and absolutely the start point for anybody that's struggling um to kind of get that get that sort of I don't know this the sexual appetite going again within the yeah exactly you've got to say how you feel because you know you know men women aren't mind readers so yeah. it's much better to just say you know what I'm just don't feel confident in myself or you know going through labor has really made me a bit scared of doing this doing that mm. or I'm uncomfortable with how I look I guess you just got to lay lay all your cards out um, yeah. so you know exactly where you're both at. And it was really interesting because everything that he was saying, I was nodding my head to. You know, I went yeah. through years of pain with Dozer after the babies. You know, every time we'd have sex, I would get pain. And it's very yeah. hard to, t- you know, you sort of go through the motions, don't you? And you kind of, you know, I- I'd come to the end of it and be like, oh, that's really painful. And I've had certain instances where it's been so painful, we've obviously had to stop. And it's only now that that pain has subsided that I've really started to enjoy it again. So I will say to anybody that's listening, that's like, every time I have sex, it's painful. It does get better. Definitely go and see your GP if you're worried about it, which is what I did. Um, but yeah, giving birth is a, a trauma. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. You mean if you were in a car crash, you wouldn't be expected to run the marathon like two weeks later, would you? So take it easy. Out of course, all the way. Out of course, (laughs) absolutely. So yeah, so if you are a, a, a kind of first time listener to the podcast, we have spoken about these, this subject before. We spoke to um, uh, blogger Kerry Northcote about sex and that was brilliant. She kind of went in a little bit harder, didn't she? There's no filter yeah, with Kerry, which yeah, I love. No, absolutely not. It was, it was a completely different chat as well. It was more about um, self-pleasure than yes. anything, I guess. Yes. But also, you know, like body confidence, which is a, plays a massive part in sort of getting your sex life back. We spoke to Kimberly Walsh about that. Well, we've done Georgia Jones. She spoke to us about relationships and how to keep your relationship alive and like the little things that she does with Danny. And we also spoke to Natalie Lee, who's a massive Instagrammer, about finding your identity after children. So we've got, in fact, today's episode is our 70th episode. I cannot believe it. I can't believe it either. So if you do want to go back and kind of have a look at all the apps that we've done before, there's loads of great material for you there that will help you. Um, Yes, definitely. 
Yeah, and even if you've listened before, go back and listen again. I do that quite a lot. Go back and listen to my favourite episodes. So on Tuesday, we've got Joe Wicks on the podcast, which we were over the moon about. And another guest that has we've managed to get because of lockdown which is yeah been brilliant. The, the body coach is coming onto the podcast i mean the the world's PE teacher the busiest man on the planet mr motivator he's, he's <laughs> it, we got him we sat down with him we've had the conversation it was absolutely brilliant um we're talking all about nutrition his relationship with rosie um you know win in 15 which is his new book it's coming out in about a few days time i think actually so yeah tuesday's gonna be a massive day for us and so make sure you are tuned in for that one yeah and please do drop us a message at Made by Mummers or on Zoe's own channel at Zoe Hardman and we will see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend. See you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We know times are very difficult right now and if you want any more information about coronavirus, go to nhs.uk slash coronavirus. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.